0: Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 815, 945, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. We had a great time in here Friday night. We really did. It was a... Uh... It's just a joy, you can tell from the video, can't you? I love, I love being a part of a family, that a church family, that really, truly uh, loves, loves, uh, loves this community, engages and blesses this community. It was a great night, and uh, they did play some 70s music, I'll tell you that, uh, which was, got me going. So, um, hey, we are making our way through this year of transformation. And I want us to think uh, a little bit more this morning um, about relationally connected, relationally connected. Why is this so important? Why is it so important that we are connected with one another and not just connected, but relationally motivated? that this is in our hearts to love each other and to care for each other. Turn with me, if you would, back to Acts chapter 2. We were in these verses last week, but I want to revisit them again this morning because they, they're so foundational for our understanding of who we are to be as a church. Church, we've got a blueprint for what it looks like for us to function as the body of Christ as the family of God, and it's exactly the same blueprint that was laid out for us uh, literally in the first days of the church. The church didn't exist. There was no such thing as a church until Jesus declared it. He said that uh, that I uh, I have established my church, my people, my body that will go on in this world and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And on the first day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit came upon the, uh, the early believers, there were about 120 of them that were gathered in the upper room, the disciples and some others, they experienced the Holy Spirit filling them, coming down upon them, and they spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem on this feast of, of Pentecost, and uh, the whole world was gathered there in that part of Jerusalem it was uh, it was truly kind of the capital of the world and uh, and 3000 people came to faith on that first day 3000 3000 it was the first mega church in an afternoon and they were baptized that day I've actually been to uh, where they think the upper room was in Jerusalem, and they've actually discovered back in that area, some excavation, uh, an area where the baptisms may well have taken place. It was was really cool to visit that spot. They were baptized, and then we read chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, which we're going to do this morning. That's not just necessarily eating, but that's a, a reference to, to communion and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, 3,000 of them and more every day, were together together. They had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together, both in the temple courts and then breaking bread together in their homes and eating together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to fellowship, not just to the fellowship or the church, but to the action word. It's actually the word koinonia. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and koinonia. And we see down in verses 44, 5, and 6 what koinonia means. All the believers were together, having everything in common, selling property and possessions, Giving to those who had need. Every day continuing to meet together in the temple courts. Breaking bread in their homes and eating together with glad and sincere hearts. There is this togetherness. Can't miss it, can you? Over and over again. There is this clear sense of being together. That the church has something that the world simply cannot offer. And it is this koinonia, this togetherness that the church experienced. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 12, because we see Paul now in Romans 12 really beginning to describe what this togetherness looks like. Romans 12, beginning in verse 3, for, the, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, he's talking to us, each of us, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather. Think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I love that image. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Where, where's Paul going with this? He's saying, no, 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 no. We are to come underneath each other. That if we're truly going to be together together, then we need to be willing to sacrifice for each other. Didn't we see that in Acts chapter 2? That uh, don't think of yourself better than you should, but with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, And he's talking about here the physical body. Many members, eyes, ears, noses, toes, hands, hearts, livers, no part is the same and yet they all have very specific roles to play. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs To all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Over in Ephesians 4, I mean, this occurs throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, Paul gets into it pretty in depthly. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, we read this Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one another. We're not just members of the church in a positional way, we are members of one another. And I want to just even tighten that down to this to these two words, one another one another. Now, obviously, one another is two words in the English language. But if you were to look at this word in the Greek, the word that we translate one another, it's actually one word, and it's the word alelone allelone, A-L-L, ada, lambda, omega, nu. Allelone is the Greek word uh, meaning one another. A great way to remember it is that When we are all alone, we are not all alone, (laughs) okay? All alone. And uh, the the word, we looked at it a moment ago, koinonia, the word koinonia occurs 19 times, distinct times when you read the, the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek. We've now translated it into English in a lot of different variations. But if you go back to the original Greek, this word koinonia is it appears 19 times but the word all alone occurs a hundred times a hundred times we have this word in the New Testament it's scattered into 94 verses 47 of those verses uh, half of those verses contain 59 uh, direct commands that's an order A direct command is in the form of an imperative. So 59 alelons are written as direct commands, as imperatives that are given to us. These are not just good suggestions. This is the way that we are, as the body of Christ, to experience our togetherness. 59 are direct commands, 20 of them are repeated numerous times, and one in particular, one in particular, it's the Greek words agapeo alelone. Agapeo alelone. See, I'm going to teach you all kinds of cool stuff. Agapeo alelone. I, uh, I read an article this week by a gal named Jennifer Schwartz.er She's an author and a counselor, And uh, I just was really struck by what she had to say about agapeo alelone. She said this, It's time for a stern rebuke regarding our spiritual condition. Earth's probation will soon screech to a halt when Jesus comes with His glorious retinue of angels. And I must testify, Jill said, we are not ready. In particular, one standard has been ignored, neglected, even despised among us. Agapeo alone. God will soon hold our shady lives up to that standard, revealing the leprous darkness of our souls the way a laser moving through flesh stops at the dark mass of a tumor. We're in trouble, friends. We have corporate cancer. Agapeo all alone. This applies to the churched and the unchurched, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, to man, woman, and child. It makes or breaks every individual life, relationship, family, community, nation, continent, and planet. The Bible speaks of it more than any other standard. Agapeo, all alone. And yet many who claim to follow the Bible regard it with indifference. Some of them even defiantly ignore it in the name of keeping the standards. Agapeo, alone. Jesus said it explicitly three times. Paul said it twice. Peter said it once. John said it six times. Countless additional times. All the Bible's writers say it implicitly. Jesus and Paul put it forth as a summary of the law, revealing its overarching, all-encompassing nature, agapeo, all alone. As you may have guessed, it is love one another. Jesus said it in John 13 and verses uh, and 15 and 17. It's the Greek agapeo, alelone. The sheer number of variations of this love one another command reveals its quintessence to spiritual life. We often talk about agapeo or agape, but not as much about alelone. Yet the New Testament uses the latter, alelone, a hundred times almost as much as agape, a hundred and six times, one another alone helps us better understand agape because agape cannot be experienced apart from what? Alone. Countless expansions of the love one another command pepper the New Testament letters. Cold formalists, arrogant legalists, unprincipled compromisers, and bold-faced pagans alike fail to measure up to the standard. Since we already fall short, let's fall all the way down on our faces before God today, admitting that we don't love one another as well as Jesus has loved us. Love one another, agape alelone. In fact, there are 39 distinct one another's In the New Testament, I actually have seen various lists through the years, and I I took a number of hours this week just in preparation for this message today to just review them myself. And yes, indeed, there are 39 distinct allelone commands, directives, imperatives in the New Testament, 39 ways that we are to function as the body of Christ, as one body. Now, I want to give them to you in one reading. I want us to hear the sheer volume of alelons in the Bible. You ready? Love one another. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Instruct one another. Accept one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That one shows up five times if you're keeping track at home. Wait for one another. Have equal concern for one another. Serve one another in love. Don't devour one another, don't provoke one another. Don't envy one another. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider one another better than yourself. Don't lie to one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Admonish one One another. Make your love overflow for one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Don't hate one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't slander one another. Don't grumble against one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Live in harmony with one another. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Minister to one another. And number 39, clothe yourself. With humility toward one another. Wow. The sheer volume of all alone in the scripture. And yet I think about what we struggle with. Is it no surprise that Satan is working overtime against this command? All alone. I quoted this last week from a a pastor friend of mine who said, Loneliness is our number one descriptor. People saying, I don't feel known by anyone. I am all alone. No, this cannot be. Can't be. We are called clearly in Scripture. Are you getting the idea, church? All alone. To love, care, pray for, encourage, live in harmony with one another. I want to offer up a tool to you. I want to give some application. You know what? If you want to do a job, you've got to have the right tool. I want to offer up to you a suggestion today. This is really, in essence, a tool that I want to put in your hands. Our ushers today are going to be making these available to you as you leave. This is called, these are called life. Transformation Groups. It's a brochure that walks you through how to get into groups of two or three. Groups of two or three. Now, we need to be here corporately, but this is celebration. This is corporate worship. It is very easy to walk in and out of here and be anonymous. We also have mid-sized groups in the life of our church. These are Sunday school classes and small groups. Very important to, uh, to have fellowship in those groups. But even in groups of 8, 10, 12, or 20, 30, it is very difficult, very difficult to go deep with one another and to live out the 39 one another's of scripture. I want to encourage you to grab one of these tools, life transformation groups. These are groups designed to be groups of two or three, no more than three. When you get to a fourth, divide out and become two groups of two. There is no leader of a group and each group is to meet weekly for one hour, weekly for one hour, coffee, wherever, hang out. But in this time together, in this one hour, it walks you through, this tool walks you through three distinct things that you'll do every week. One of them is accountability. There's 11 questions in this brochure that you can ask each other on a weekly basis to help you keep each other accountable, admonishing one another, keeping one another accountable. (laughs) The second thing is scripture reading, and there's various ways you can do that. This walks you through one approach, which you can read in here, but basically just spend time discussing the Word of God, and the third key aspect is prayer. You spend a little time praying, but not just for each other, but you pray for others that you want to see come to know the love of Jesus Christ. It has an evangelistic element to it. It's an hour or less, really, but it's it's time together utilizing this tool. I want to encourage you as you leave today, grab a hold of one of these, would you? I really, truly encourage you to dig deep. We need one another. I'm going to say it. it won't happen unless we make it happen. It won't happen unless we intentionally grab a tool or do something to really, truly go deep with each other. I hope and pray you grab one, take this serious, and, uh, and really, truly consider how you can do this. Because the fact of the matter is, we are constantly under attack by the enemy. We have this time of communion. You know, when Paul wrote to the, uh, to the church in Corinth, They were struggling with, guess what? Division. They weren't doing the one another's. And Satan was having a heyday with the church in Corinth. And they, in fact, when it came time to communion, they were really struggling with this. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, Paul says this, In the following things I have no praise for you. For your meetings, church, do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval so then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you're eating. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person is hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and get drunk in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What am I going to say to you? Am I going to praise you for this? No. For I receive from the Lord what I'm passing on to you. The, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. I'm going to ask you to join with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we come to this time of communion, Lord, you call us to be right with you and right with each other. Lord, you call us to examine our hearts and to truly discern that when we eat this bread, we are eating from your very body. When we drink this cup, this juice, we are drinking from your very blood. Lord God, knit us together as one in the grace of you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.